make sure I'm on here. Now I'm on. How we doing? Awesome. So you know how you just kind of got to be flexible with life and things happen? Well, this week, uh, unexpectedly, Pastor Matt tested positive for COVID, and so he is out. I found out this late Wednesday, and so you get me today. How's that? Yeah, be, be praying for Pastor Matt and his recovery. Uh, he's doing well, but he, he needs some time to get rested up. So, um, you know, as we kind of enter into this sermon series, Do You Hear What I Hear?, uh, last week we talked about Mary. This week we're going to be talking about Joseph. And um, I wanted to pose a question to you. Have you ever like had plans that you made that either got interrupted or challenged, but in the end it came out for the good, came out better than what you expected? Like this happens to me all the time. Like one is I will plan on wearing something and Carrie looks at it and she says, you're not wearing that. And it changes, right? It's always for the good or or maybe like we don't want to go out to eat and nobody can decide, so I finally decide what I want to eat. When I put it out there, everybody changes that. Now they have an opinion, right? But in the end, they can't gripe because it wasn't my choice, so it turns out for the good. And then also, if you think about, you know, in football, there's also this thing where a quarterback, he comes up to the line and he looks at the defense, right? He assesses it, and at that time, he changes the play based upon the defense, and most of the time it comes out better than the original play. And so what this is called, this is called calling an audible, right? We're calling an audible. And uh, this week was calling an audible by me preaching and being here with you instead of Matt. Well, God does this in our lives all the time, right? We make our plans and God changes the play and he calls an audible in our lives, and so one of the things I wanted to show you in Proverbs 16, 9, it says, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. Now think about that for a minute. We make plans all the time, right? But without God allowing it, it doesn't happen. This is so hard for us to learn, right? We just keep on trying to live life our way, uh, but God keeps on calling these audibles in our lives and he redirects us. You would think that after a while we would stop trying to live it our way and we would finally just trust him and say, whatever you have for us, we'll do that, right? But this struggle has really been going on since the beginning of man. God has a plan. He has the best way. We try to live it our way and he ends up calling audibles to redirect us, right? And so as we look at that, last week, Pastor Matt talked about Mary and, and what she heard from God about having a baby. The whole reason we celebrate this season, right, is because it's the birth of Jesus. And so as we look at this, this week we're going to look at Joseph, who was Mary's husband, and what he experienced in the same situation. But before we do, I'm going to ask that you guys pray with me. I'm going to ask that you do something personally. I'm going to ask that you just ask the Holy Spirit to open yourself up to hear from him what he wants for you today so that you can leave here different than you walked in. Will you pray with me? And Lord, right now, we just ask that you would just come in each and every one of us by your spirit, the teacher, you would speak to us, you would let us see through the life and example of Joseph in this, this amazing season that we have, that you have plans for us, and show us how we're to submit to you. Let us recognize when you're calling an audible, when you want to change things and understand that it's for the better and that you do have a plan. And so right now, we just open ourselves up to you. 
Change us. Let us be different when we leave here in Jesus' name. Amen. So can I start by addressing the men in the room and online for just a second? Um, men, if you're like me, most of us like control, right? We like, we like to make plans and see that plan executed. Uh, we like to work that plan. We like to be doers, uh, task-oriented, and we want to accomplish the things that we set out to do, right? I mean, that's kind of what most men are driven by. And today we're going to be looking at a man named Joseph who was just like us, just an ordinary guy. And just like us, he had plans, he had plans to get married to a lady. He had plans to have a family. And guess what? Joseph isn't this guy that gets a lot of recognition in Scripture. You don't, you don't hear a whole lot about him in Scripture. But Joseph had a plan, and then God called some audibles. Literally, God called some audibles in some pretty drastic ways for Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, it gives us an account of these audibles that occurred in Joseph's life. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1 or on your device, that'd be great. Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Jesus, meaning his family history, right? This is to show that he was from the house and the lineage of David, and that was to fulfill Scripture from the Old Testament. And so it's very important that this is listed in the New Testament because it's fulfilling a previous scripture that God said would happen. We're going to pick up in verse 16 where we see that Joseph appears. And so in verse 16 it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Do you notice that Jacob, he's the father of of Joseph, right? He's Joseph's dad, and it says that, father of. But do you see where Joseph, it doesn't say he's the father of Jesus, he says it's the husband of Mary. Y'all see that, that difference there? And so when we look at that, that's important because we heard last week that Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, right? If he was, then Jesus would have been conceived and born just like any other human being and therefore, it would have been harder for us to see that he was conceived in God's son. And so this is why Joseph is referred to as the husband of Mary rather than the father of Jesus. As I said earlier, this genealogy is very important to fulfill scripture. And there's some theologians that believe that Mary was also from that same line, lineage of David. And so, God wants to make sure that it's really visible that he's fulfilling scripture here. So, let's focus on Joseph for just a minute here. This young man, he's ready to get married, start his life, and the whole family's already met Mary. He's introduced him to her friends, everybody, everybody that he knows, and he's betrothed. And so, betrothed really, it means legally pledged to be married. It's equivalent to marriage, except they didn't live together at this time. It was really a legal binding already. They would become husband and wife at the end of their engagements once they consummated their wedding, once they consummated their marriage. But God caused an audible. So let's continue reading. We're going to look at verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her, her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Man, can you imagine the situation that Joseph is in? The closest I can picture this is there's this married couple. They're engaged to be married. It's getting close to the wedding. And all of a sudden, she, she discovers she's pregnant, yet her and her fiancé have never been together, right? But not only that, she says, hey, this is God's baby. <laughs> like, right? Like, like, not only is there an issue that she's pregnant, there's an issue that she could be crazy. Right? And that you're going to have to go back and now tell your friends and family what's happened. And man, I mean, Joseph is in a mess. And so my question is, how do you think you would respond to this? What would you do? This, this passage tells us how Joseph responded and about his character. Joseph was a just man and not wanting to cause any shame on Mary. Like, that's respectable, right? Like, I really do believe Joseph... Man loved her and didn't want to call shame. And so he called an audible and made a plan to get out of the marriage. And he was just going to divorce her, divorce her quietly. Can you blame him? I mean, this guy had been hurt. He's embarrassed. Uh, but he wanted to do it gracefully. He could have blamed her. He could have spoke bad about her. He could have even had her punished for adultery in this culture but Joseph respected and loved Mary enough that he wanted to do it gracefully. He wanted to believe her and didn't want to shame her at the same time, right? Her attitude towards this child and her character meant something to him, and yet still she's pregnant with somebody's baby, right? I mean, can you imagine what he's facing, what he's dealing with? Like, this has to be emotional to torture, right? Like, on one side, man, he wants to believe her. He really does. But then on the other side, he can't fathom that this is God's child. Like, he is in the middle of just, what do I do with all this? Maybe you would do what Joseph did. He made a plan to break this engagement. He wanted to show both justice and love, care, at the same time. Maybe that's how you'd respond. Maybe you would respond by blaming. But Joseph responded this way. In Matthew 20, it says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Man, talk about an emotional roller coaster, right? Like, man, you're over here tormented. All of a sudden, you have this angel appear to you and, and confirm its truth. And so, you're still trying to figure out what to do with all of it. You're still overwhelmed. This angel was confirmation because the angel really provided another way for Joseph to respond. Listen to what the angel said. In verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel spoke and took Joseph back to a prophecy that Isaiah had said. 
His eyes were now open to the new truth, right? He can now really see it for himself that Mary was telling the truth to him. He didn't have to question that piece anymore. And I think it's very cool how God brings Joseph into his plan alongside Mary. He invites him in. Rather than leaving him out here to figure it out for himself, God is gracious to give us an answer and bring us into the plan that he has for us. And so he speaks to Joseph through this angel and tells him what to name the child. Joseph is the one who gets to name this baby. He's given a part in this picture, right? He is brought into this amazing, crazy act of God. Remember this name will be the name in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, as you heard Adam read earlier. This is a powerful moment that Joseph gets to play in this story. It's not exactly what he thought it would be, right? But God called an audible. In Matthew 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, you see in this passage, one of the names was given was Jesus Christ, right? There's two other passages where his name is brought up. In Matthew 21, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then in verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So let's talk about these three names for just a minute. Jesus, Christ, and Emmanuel. Jesus, first of all, is, the, is, is his human name, right? Jesus is God's son's given name here on earth. It was actually quite common in the first century for people to be named Jesus. It comes from the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. Then it was translated into Greek, and then it was translated into English, and thus we have the name Jesus that we call him in, in what we read in English. Jesus means Savior. This is the most popular name that we find for God's Son in Scripture, Jesus. So Jesus is his human name, and then we see Christ. And if you're like me, did you ever wonder, like, why is it Jesus and why is it Jesus Christ? And so Christ is an official title. Let me tell you what this means. So why do we see Christ in front of Jesus' name? Sometimes Jesus is referred to as the Christ or of the Christ. And here's what it means. Christ comes from Christos, a Greek word that means the anointed one or the chosen one or the Messiah. That's what Christ means. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the Messiah. There's some other religions out there and people just miss that he's the Messiah. They miss this piece. They believe in Jesus. They just don't believe he's the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. And so first, Jesus is his human name. Christ is his official title. And then we have this name, Emmanuel, which, which who he is, right? It's, he's God with us. That's what this means. Emmanuel is the masculine Hebrew name, meaning God with us or God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. 
The name Emmanuel appears in the Bible three times. Twice in the Old Testament and once here in the New Testament. If you're like me too, you've noticed that there's this spelling, Emmanuel with an I and Emmanuel with an E. Anybody ever notice that? Okay, some of us. And so here's what that means. With the I, it's the translation from the original Hebrew name into English. With the E, it's translated from Hebrew to Greek and then to English. And that's how there's a difference. It means the exact same thing. So what did Jesus do? Like he hears this, this message from an angel. He's given instructions. So what does he do? In verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And he was obedient, wasn't he? He, he was obedient. We know Mary spoke the truth to him, but man, he had a hard time understanding until this angel appeared to him. You know, sometimes we hear, but don't really hear, right? Like we hear things, but we don't really respond like we hear them. Sometimes when the doctor gives a diagnosis, we hear what he's saying, but we don't hear it. It hasn't sunk in yet. Maybe sometimes we don't hear what God's telling us the way he really wants us to hear it. Like maybe we hear him say, hey, you need to go make amends to somebody, but we don't really hear it, right? Or maybe he says, hey, I want you to do something for me. I want you to serve. I want you to do an act. And yet we kind of ignore it. We don't really hear him. And so we're kind of like Joseph, and sometimes God has to get our attention. But Joseph, after hearing the truth from the angel, he walked in obedience. And he showed honor to Mary and the baby according to the truth. Joseph heard the truth and received confidence and courage to walk in God's plan. John 8, 32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I believe this truth set Joseph free to walk in the plan that God had. When he heard the truth, he walked in obedience to it. Joseph heard the truth and he submitted. That's the first thing he did. He submitted to the truth. Isaiah 7, 14, we, we referenced this a second ago. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This, this angel spoke the truth, right? This truth goes all the way back to the Old Testament. This, this passage in Isaiah was actually written almost 700 years before this time, and yet now it's coming true. Can you imagine that? 700 years later, Joseph is hearing it, and it's like, now it's happening. This also gives us some encouragement to look at the Bible. Many of us look at the Bible and go, man, it's just an old book. How relevant can it be? How truthful can it be? But let me just tell you, this passage shows us that God's scripture from the beginning in Genesis to the end of Revelations is truth, and it's still true today, and it's true for us today. It should encourage us that if Joseph can see the truth in the Old Testament through an angel and read it, that we should be able to read Scripture and know that it's truth for us as well. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. 
God's word is always truthful and lasts forever. And that's so reassuring for us. When we sometimes want to make our plans, but it doesn't line up with scripture, right there's an indicator that we need to get in line with God. God's word is truth, and we can submit our life to it. Joseph built his own truth and was going to act on it. And sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes we build our own truth in our own mind. And so my question is, what truths do we try to write for ourselves that we need God to break through? Maybe we haven't gone to God with our plans. Maybe we've excluded him. And maybe we just need to go to him and say, what is your plan instead of my plan? And allow him to break through in our own lives. So Joseph heard the truth and submitted, and then Joseph showed courage because of the truth. It took courage to accept and submit to God. Y'all believe that? Like, I mean, that's pretty hard when you got a wife that's pregnant, and yet that's not your baby, but you believe it to be truth. It took courage for him to walk in that truth. Courage is that initial gumption that you get to act or to change or to believe or to walk differently that we get. We have to get out of ourselves and take a step. It took courage to stay with Mary despite the cultural norms and traditions of this time. I, I believe marrying somebody that's pregnant and that's not your baby would be much different today than it was back then. But think about that for a minute. Joseph tried to do what was right and do it in the right way. That took courage for him the truth sets us free but it takes courage to live in that freedom it takes courage to stand against the flow of the culture and our world it takes courage for us to stand up for God it takes courage for us to walk in his plans and stay steadfast the strength of what we believe is measured by how much we are willing to suffer for those beliefs there's suffering that comes with walking in obedience but God is always gracious enough to hold us up, to walk with us, to know it's not in our own strength. We will endure through him. And so this is what Joseph did. Do you feel like you not only submit to God, but you walk with courage? Like it takes courage. Joseph heard the truth and submitted. Joseph showed courage because of the truth. And then Joseph also showed confidence in the truth. It took a lot of confidence or faith in God's plan. Faith is really just resting on him that it's going to come out the way he says it will, right? Believing in what we can't see. Courage is what gets us believing but in walking out God's plan. Confidence is what keeps us in God's plan. Once we're moving, it's that confidence in God that keeps us moving forward and living with him, and walking with him, and submitting to him. Confidence keeps us walking it out. Confidence grows. We experience God's faithfulness as we walk and believe in him, and our faith and confidence grows over time. It's kind of like uh, if you think about the progression to a high dive, right? Think about a pool that has a really high dive up there. Do you start off just going to the top? Like I think about when I was a kid, you start by jumping off the side, right? You just jump off the edge and swim back, and you're like, oh, I got this pretty good. Nothing happened. And then you go to the low dive, which is, you know, you got four or five feet maybe. And that's kind of scary, but you jump off that, and you swim to the side, and you're like, man, I got this. 
But then you start looking at that high dive and you start just getting a little bit more confidence and you kind of want to take that risk, but you're kind of scared. But that confidence comes that you know it's going to be okay and you finally climb up there and you jump off and you swim to the side. It builds, right? God doesn't send us to the high dive right off the bat. He lets us trust him and walk with him. So Joseph, man, he heard the truth and submitted. Joseph showed courage because of the truth. And Joseph showed confidence in the truth. Man, I I think about faith being the same way. God speaks faith and confidence to do more and bigger things for him in the kingdom. Do do y'all sense that? Like he doesn't just leave us in the shallow end. I mean, that gets boring, right? Y'all been to a kiddie pool that's like this deep? After a while, you can't do that much. You just sit there. You get in the deeper and it's okay. You're up to here. And then you get in the, the deep end and you can do a lot of things in there. It's like our faith, right? Man, God speaks faith and confidence. Confidence to serve. Confidence to pray in public. I remember the first time I prayed in public, I was scared to death. Anybody with me? I mean, man, you just exercise it, right? You're talking to God. He hears you all the time. Think about uh, leading a Bible study, maybe. Confidence to share your faith with somebody else. Confidence to maybe plant a church or be part of a church plant someday. Confidence to be part of a building a church, expanding a church. And, and you know how that happens? It's not construction that expands a church. It's people loving on people that expands a church. Then you just get to a point where you need a bigger building. That's how you grow a church. And then the other part is, you know, at some point, then you have to have confidence that, that God is going to give the body, every member, what they need to fulfill what he's calling them to do. I think about this for a minute. We have a lot of, a lot of people who do a lot of things within the church because they walk in their giftedness. They're walking in God's plan, not theirs. I'm just telling you, I'm being real with you, but if, if it was just our plan, like if we were just living off our plan, I, I don't know why people come to church when it's raining outside. You know what I mean? It's just nasty. Why do you want to get out? But it's, it's a bigger plan, right? It's God's plan for us. Maybe some of you are going, yeah, I'm glad we came because I started not to, right? Here's the deal. God wants us to walk in his plan to see him do extraordinary things in us and through us. And Joseph was scared to death. I got to believe he was. Until God showed up and revealed the truth to him personally. And then he invited him into that plan and then Joseph got to be a part of the plan rather than watching the plan. It's so much greater to be part of the plan. I'm just telling you, watching the plan after a while gets boring and we'll go watch something else. Being in the plan, being in the body of Christ, being part of the kingdom of God, being a part of his crazy, exciting plan for mankind is amazing. Joseph experienced that. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39 says this, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what, it, what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, 
But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and, per- and preserve their souls. This is us, guys. We're the ones that aren't going to shrink back. We're the body of Christ. We're his instruments. We're like those ordinary people called Mary and Joseph who God did extraordinary things through. We just have to get on God's plan and not our own plan. We have to let him call audibles in our lives to redirect us to get back on on task with him. We have to slow down enough with what's going on around us to actually ask him what his plan is for our lives rather than just making plans and seeing if he changes them. And I just want to encourage you, allow God to be the one to make the plans for you. Allow God to make a difference in your life. This all had to be so hard for Joseph and Mary. I'm sure it didn't make sense to them until God revealed his plan, right? Like they had to be so scared and terrified. And most of us are that same way to walk with God sometimes. It's scary. And yet, when he reveals the truth and he comes alongside us, man, he loves us so much. All he wants us to do is say yes. He wants us to submit to him. He wants us to have courage. He wants us to take confidence in him and walk with him. What is the truth that God's revealing to you? What's the audible he's calling in your life? What are the plans he has for you? Are you willing to be courageous and confident in those are you willing to be used by God like Joseph and Mary were man this season yes we reflect what what God did with Jesus the Messiah the anointed one but he used just ordinary people for this to happen with his supernatural crazy way of doing things and now we get to celebrate but the celebration's not over What's he calling you to do? Will you pray with me? And God, we have so many plans that we never ask you about. Maybe we just need to ask for forgiveness right now for that. And maybe we need to open ourselves up and start asking you what your plans are. You have a perfect plan for us, you say. So God, help us in our struggles. Help us in in wanting to be in control and just to yield to you. Would you speak to us clearly what those plans are and, man, allow us to submit to you. Allow us to have courage to walk with you. Allow us to have courage just to take a step. Once you take that first step, once you do that first thing, it's almost like it, it gets easier because you show up and you show us that you show up. So how do you want to show up today in us? How do you want us to respond? That's really our question we ought to be asking. And God, I know you're loving. And you loved Mary and Joseph. And you didn't leave them. You didn't forsake them. But you walked with them through it. And man, you brought the hope of the world through them. You changed mankind. You changed our trajectory. You gave us hope. You gave us a plan. You gave us a Messiah. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. So, Lord, speak to us, walk with us, guide us. And yes, if you need to, call an audible, get us back on track for your glory 
and for your namesake. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.